0: the Super Bowls here in Minneapolis. So the city has gone crazy. So this last weekend, my wife and I decided to go check out some of the local festivities. They have zip lines over the Mississippi River, and it was four degrees this morning. I, I, it doesn't seem conducive to zip <laughs> lining across the Mississippi, but whatever. I mean, they have that. That sounds awesome. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. And now, here are your hosts, Reed
1: Smith and Chris Boyer. All right, and that was Michael Vinsky each and every week. Thanks again, Michael. Find out more about what all he does uh, in and outside of healthcare at michaelvinsky.com. It's V-E-N-S-K-E dot com, michaelvinsky.com. Here we are, episode 52, one year later, Chris. Happy birthday, Reed.
0: Anniversary or anniversary, or both. I don't know. Let's, let's call it our birthday. So, Reed, you promised in the last episode that you were going to be eating cake this episode. Oh, right. Um, are, you, are you having cake? No.
1: I could probably get close. I think we have some Pop-Tarts. That's <laughs> the closest I can get. I think uh, my youngest has some unfrosted Pop-Tarts. So,
0: Wait, uh, unfrosted? Whatever. Um, Well, I have something here to celebrate myself, Reed. This is to you. Congratulations. Cheers to the happy anniversary. What are you having?
1: A slow ride. It's a uh, pale ale here in, uh, based out of the hill country of Texas.
0: Nice. Mm -hmm. So I'm drinking a Fair State Cooperative Vienna Lager made right here in the Twin Cities. Well, there you go.
1: And hitting that that you hear right there is Chris Boyer. You can find Chris online at, at Chris Boyer on Twitter. Uh, of course, I am Reed Smith. You can find me at that very name on Twitter. And um, we have been doing this for now 52 episodes. So, a couple of like calendar days short of when we recorded the first episode, but episode wise, our birthday. So, special episode today. Got a few extra things in store. Mm-hmm. And it uh, should be a lot of fun. Before we go too far, however, I do want to uh, call special attention to our sponsors. I could not have done it without them. So, Loyal Health. For most consumers, uh, the search for health care providers is a frustrating maze of bewildering choices and unanswered questions. They want to hear what patients have to say in order to make a healthcare decision with confidence
0: And uh, uh, that's pretty common, right? I mean, people go out there, they want to know what everybody else has to say. And that's why Loyal has this great solution called Empower to give you the tools to do just that, all the way from maximizing star ratings while introducing deeper insights into what patients are really saying about their experience. So you can sort, approve, and publish patient ratings, reviews, physician services, practices, locations, using intelligent features like auto-approval, syntax highlighting, and all that it's a really amazing technology and
1: they've got many, many more things over at loyalhealth.com is where you would go to learn more. Tell them we sent you and by all means, be sure to get a demo. So
0: loyalhealth.com. They are a great sponsor. We want to thank them, Reed, for making us be as successful as we are. So they were our very, very first sponsor.
1: Um, and then shortly after that, Binary Fountain Influence Health, and then most recently, Dot Health, the new domain extension for, for healthcare, mm-hmm. have come on
0: board. So we, we owe all of them a, a debt of gratitude. Well, Reed, this wouldn't be a good birthday episode without reading out some of the great birthday greetings we had from all of our friends and followers on LinkedIn. Twitter. So the first one, Jim Samuel,
1: simple and to the point. Happy birthday, touch point. How old are you in dog years? Uh, seven. Isn't that right? Seven years in dog years?
0: Yeah. yeah. Cynthia Newton, we had her on the show as a guest a little while ago. She wrote, congrats, Chris Boyer and Reed Smith. Enjoy the podcast, especially the one where I am the guest. She put a little winky face. Wishing you guys <laughs> continued success. Well, that's very nice of her, and she was an excellent guest. Well, also, Judy Nyman. Yes. You remember Judy, right? She runs the Forum for Healthcare Strategists, a conference, and she's also president of the Healthcare Strategy Institute. Yes, and we will be back again this year in just a couple of months. Right. And so she wrote, one year of amazing podcasts. Thank you, Touchpoint. And happy first birthday. Also, along those same lines, we're talking about conferences.
1: The Healthcare Internet Conference put on by Graystone, Kathy, the president over there, Kathy Davis, uh, congratulations on your one-year birthday. Uh, what fun and what a great
0: resource to the community. To many more, exclamation point. Cheers. Those were comments on LinkedIn. On Twitter, we had a couple of people that kind of gave out a couple of shout-outs. The first came from Chad Dillard. Chad wrote, Keep them coming. Your podcast keeps us updated on all the changes and trends. Very much appreciated. And also, uh, we heard from uh, this gentleman just,
1: was it a week ago? Dr. Pete Alperin over at Doximity commented, great podcast from the best duo in healthcare marketing. I'm going to put that on my signature block. From this I like on. that.
0: I I think that's a great signature block, and we could put Mm -hmm. that on our website too. Lastly, our good friend David Dalton. He tweeted and also included a picture. Happy birthday. Your first year audience numbers were the largest ever recorded for a single podcast, and he has the picture to prove it. And he put (laughs) a picture of Sean Spicer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean nobody can dispute that. So biggest ever. Biggest effort. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now I want to ride a podium around. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: would be awesome. I have a stand-up desk. If I could just motorize it, then I could just like drive around. Of course, it'd be hard to get out the doorway. But.
0: Well, thank you all, all of our fans. We couldn't have done it without all of you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to another year of great episodes, and we're going to have a lot more fun, including today's episode, Reed. That's right. On to episode
1: 52, or the rest of episode 52, and we are talking about super fans. You know, when I first heard this, I didn't know.
0: I mean, I guess it, it makes sense if you kind of think about it, but I didn't know what this was. So this must be the fans of the Patriots and the fans of the Philadelphia Eagles. Is that what we're talking about when we say super fans? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you could technically
1: uh, include a lot of those folks, but, you know, super fans are those folks out there that I think maybe we call them power users. Maybe it's influencers, advocates, you know, different people call them different things, but they're those folks that are really engaged with your brand online or in the community uh, of what you're you know, involved with, whatever that may look like. So,
0: maybe it's around the hashtag mommy bloggers we're talking about mommy bloggers right sure (laughs) why not we've been talking about mommy bloggers for years is this thing the super fan is this like a new concept Or is this just an extension of some older marketing things that we've done? I think this is kind of an evolution, at least,
1: of community management to some degree. We talk about how great word-of-mouth marketing is. And so, you know, influencer strategies, advocates, you know, all those types of things. We hear that all the time. How do you connect with these folks and make that experience um, something worthwhile?
0: I think it also helps, too, that we have tools now, like social media being one of the biggest series of platforms that we could use to really engage and leverage these super fans in in a way to make them more effective in being our influencers and being our promoters. And we'll hear
1: some from a friend of mine, uh, Jake McKee, later in the podcast. He's got an interesting background, interesting insight into all of this. And, Mm -hmm. of course, this is what he spends his day doing but i mean i think we have talked about this and have experienced this to some degree probably not as much in healthcare we don't think about it the same way in healthcare just now it's becoming kind of a sweet spot you know you mentioned the technology but also the willingness of a lot of folks in healthcare to be online and to be super fans
0: we found a couple of articles that talk about the concept of superfans, maybe we could kind of use that as sort of a backdrop to us having a conversation around these guys. It's true that any kind of brand that's out there really wants to have... This concept of a super fan to be helping them promote and market themselves—it's just it's a natural extension of what we, what we're really trying to get—is trying to get people that are very much engaged with our brand.
1: I think it's a trust factor to some degree. And again, I don't know that I've totally vetted this out in healthcare specifically, but you know, if I'm wanting to buy a new item, you know, whether that be a vehicle or a computer or a restaurant to go eat at or whatever you know I'm probably going to take the word of people that I know over the advertisements of those organizations
0: or you know brands this is a kind of an extension of word of mouth marketing perhaps but in a different way, too, because the other thing that's going on in healthcare, we're starting to lose that loyalty that we once had. In the olden days, in the olden days, like you know, five years ago, consumers in any kind of marketplace tended to just kind of go where the doctor directed them to go. But now there's so many different choices of healthcare that they're really not loyal to a brand anymore. And I think that Superfans, as a marketing concept, is really coming around at the time when improving customer loyalty is a top to-do thing for marketers. One of the first articles we we were looking at is from
1: Adweek. It's funny because I I don't know, the the word superfan, it's hilarious because I've never heard this before. I don't know where I've been necessarily, but Mm -hmm. this particular article is even called Embracing the Power of Superfans in Social Media. But one of the stats in there, which I think is interesting and and validates your point, is more than 90% of consumers globally
0: trust word of mouth above all other forms of marketing. The confluence of of the the concept of a super fan with customer loyalty with word of mouth marketing, it seems like it's a ripe time for us to take another look at the super fan concept. You,
1: you look at all the things that we 've talked about in, even in the last few weeks but certainly over the last six months, but you start looking at things. Um, like uh, the Facebook news feed, um, how mm-hmm. that's changing uh, again and will continue to change and may go away. You know, I mean, you, you, who knows? You're going to be left with you know, paid efforts. Mm-hmm. All these things are, are in a place where how do we more effectively and authentically translate our message uh, through those that know the experience to
0: everybody else? This whole concept of the superfan is not necessarily the same as influencer marketing. Influencer marketing is a little bit different because superfans can be users that really specialize in a particular vertical. But the second article that we found um, from HubSpot says that unlike traditional influencers, they call them micro-influencers, right? Micro-influencers have a more modest number of followers, but they have higher engaged audiences that you can leverage, and they basically have a more effective push or reach in their smaller audiences online. Is that weird? It's strange because I've
1: I've noticed this even looking at my own newsfeed. At times, I've noticed some folks that have gigantic followings, like a million people on Twitter, but they're not celebrities. So let's let's carve celebrities out of the mix here. You know, they just you know are famous maybe from like a technology standpoint or something like that. But anyway, they've got like a million followers on Twitter, and their engagement rate is not much more than mine, if at all. But then I'll go look at somebody running for public office and, you know, they have a small user base. I mean, because like no one outside of this demographic area really cares about, you know, a judge in a county in Texas or something, you know, whatever it may be. And their engagement rate is like a hundred X
0: what mine is. That's crazy. If you think about that, it's no longer identifying those people with the large followers as being your influencer. It's the exact opposite. Or, or like as I sometimes say, it's it's not counting the number of people you reach. It's reaching the number of people that count. Right. And so if you talk about from a geographic standpoint, and you think about how
1: hospitals specifically are targeting and marketing to local and even hyper-local type efforts. Well, this becomes really interesting. So if you know the most well-thought-of person in this small town, and they're online, well, that's who you want. It doesn't matter that they only have a few thousand or maybe even a
0: few hundred you know, connections. Let's quote some stats a research firm called Markerly did around Instagram. And they found this really interesting trend. Okay, so Reed, I'm going to throw out some numbers here. What do you think the engagement rate is of users with 1 to 10 million followers? So percentage of
1: that base? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's going to be small, right? Because there's so many of them. But the, the total number is probably pretty large. Uh, a percent, maybe two,
0: something like that. Yeah, yeah, 1.7%. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're about right. You're right in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Okay, let, let's drop that lower now. What about users with 10,000 to 100,000 followers? What do you think that percentage is?
1: Uh, you know, it probably goes up a little bit, maybe not much, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's still probably, it's still probably around two.
0: Yeah. 2.4, 2.4. You're doing good here, Reed. looks like you might've read this article here. I actually did some (laughs) show prep today. (laughs) 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 Okay. What about users that have a thousand to 10,000 followers? What do you think their percentage is? Well, I mean, again, it's, it's going to go up a little bit, but I wouldn't say it's, it's a lot, um, you know, three. Four percent, something like that. Four percent. Nearly twice, right? Four percent. But then those with fewer than a thousand followers generated eight percent of likes and comments. You think that's because they
1: actually know those people? Yeah. (laughs) Right? So, I mean, somebody that has like 10 million followers on Instagram, they don't know any of those, but people... Yeah, know. Matter of fact, they probably only know a handful of those people because there's a good chance they're a celebrity. It's somebody famous that because they're famous, their personal influence circle is probably pretty small. No, it's not that they don't influence all their followers. That's not what I'm saying at all. I mean, certainly that's absolutely the case or these people wouldn't be in commercials. But those people that have less than 1,000, was it less than 1,000 followers? Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, a lot of those people probably are only connected to people that they have in-person relationships with. Even myself on Instagram, I noticed that the people that with smaller followers that I know, I have a higher engagement rate with. Mm -hmm. I comment on their posts. I like their Instagram stories, you know, that sort of thing. And you're right. I mean, it's almost like the exact opposite of what we used to think. This is almost like taking influencer marketing and making it more personalized. Targeting your influencer marketing.
1: But do you only comment and like that stuff out of guilt? (laughs) Because
0: you're like, "Eh, if I don't
1: don't like this, they're going to know I didn't like this. But no, you're more naturally drawn to, again, take celebrities out of the mix, you know, because there's a different different kind of uh, infatuation there or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. But you're connecting with and you're engaging with people that you have some sort of relationship with because there's contextual
0: ties to that. It's not just what you're seeing in that post in front of you. Like you said before, right, as hospitals and even health systems that are large and covering a large area, they're really serving, at the end of the day, a very smaller community, a very local community. And so in that regard, it's really taking that hyper-local connection and being able to amplify and augment that throughout your different markets. So. So what do you do with this?
1: And that leads us to one of these other articles that we found... Actually, from Forbes, uh, mm-hmm. again about super fans—a term that I've never heard of before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the article is called Superfans, The Secret Weapon in Marketing," and uh, this actually came out several years ago. Man, where have I been on this whole super fans thing? But anyway, they go through five phases, five steps—you know, whatever that may be—on mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know really what you should be doing uh, relative to your super fans.
0: Well, let's go through them because I think it might be this little bit instructive for people that are listening in. The first one is find out who they are. It makes, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. sense right? Yeah. right. They're much more active on social media and they're vocal. And by the way, you could track all of that. You can clue in using whatever kind of social media monitoring tools. There's a number of them out there right now. Listening into them, finding out what they like, finding out their preferences. They really like to share about their brand experience. So maybe they even have talked about you before. Logically, once you know who they are, then you should probably start engaging with
1: them. And not in a weird way. You know, don't just, you know, <laughs> go at, don't, don't go after these people just, you know, a hundred miles an hour. But you've got to figure out, well, all right, how would you logically build a relationship with these advocates, super fans, whatever you want to call them? And so, because in, in a lot of times you're going to be participating or, or communicating with them on platforms that are not yours, right? So it's like, right. you're not necessarily going back and forth with them on your Facebook page or on... Something you post on Instagram, it may be in a Twitter chat. The breast cancer uh, Twitter chat, you know, is maybe a good example. So you got people from all over the world participating in that every week, and you know, you can't just like start having a sidebar conversation with somebody in the middle of this Twitter chat, right? So you got to figure out how do you do
0: that without being salesy, weird, you know? Don't come across the marketing guy. They're not gonna take your press release and push it out to their fans. I mean, that's not what they're gonna do. If you've identified that they're loyal to your brand and they like your brand, figure out exactly what they like, you know, engage with them, have a conversation with them. And again, social is a great platform to do that. The, the other thing to do is you could, you could keep track mm. of them too. Now that sounds creepy. You just said, don't be creepy. <laughs> but, you know, keeping track of them, watching what they do and who they connect with, look at their networks. And you can do this all kind of surreptitiously, I guess, is you're trying to figure out exactly what their network it looks like because they have a small audience, a small following, you know, and, and what you can do busiest tools like, you know, create Twitter lists and other things like that. So you can just kind of keep track. Maybe they're following a hashtag. Maybe they created their own hashtag.
1: Twitter list. That's a great, great way that you can, you know, quickly get a, you know, kind of a feed of all these folks in one place. It does mention it in here. And I think this is a good thing to point out that Twitter lists, uh, whatever you label those things are, are actually public and they'll know that you... Added them to this list. So just be careful what you name the list. Don't name it like women I follow, you know, or something like that. I could end badly. So yeah, that sounds really bad. Sorry. I call them awesome followers or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Our favorite people, you know. Yeah. There you go. Uh, then, okay. So one, once you've, you know, found them, built some sort of relationship, you're following them on a regular basis and and following them may even be just interacting with them on a regular basis. You want to uh, enable them is what they say. And you know this is something that's pretty interesting. And so you think about like people coming into traditional focus groups, make them feel special, make them a part of something. It's easy to do with some of the tools that are out there. Maybe it's a Facebook group or something like that. How can you make sure that they're the first to know about things? And you may even bring them in in person. You know, we've, seen these affinity groups in hospitals, 55 plus, uh, there's some women's groups, uh, new mothers, mothers of multiples. I mean, there's all these things that you've seen over the years, as well as like support groups, you know, digital extensions of support groups, uh, stroke, for example, mm-hmm. weight loss surgery. But how do you enable them? Hey, we're thinking about doing this. What do you think? You know, Give us feedback yeah. on this idea. And it doesn't have to be digital things that you're asking them about either. Matter of fact, it's probably better if it's not always digital things. And so mm-hmm. you know, what's the one thing that would make your visit here easier? Just
0: involve them in, in the plan. Or invite them like to a special opening. We're opening up a new OB wing. We'd love for you to come and take a look at it. Yeah, before, before yeah. the public open house, They'll be Instagramming the whole thing, right? And make it easy for them to then talk
1: about you. Whatever that looks like. It could be graphics or give them a voice on your blog or I I don't know. Whatever it is, um, just make it easy for them to talk about you.
0: Then the last one is measure the return. And the different types of analytics tools that are out there now They allow you to measure much more easier how people are engaging, sharing, and what they're doing with your content. Maybe create special like bit.ly links that they can use, that they can click through, that gives you additional click-through information. Maybe even put your analytics, set them up so that you can actually track to see if they're coming from a particular source. Kind of the last sentence here is, the real value in social social media users is
1: not only acquiring new ones, but in activating those already in your community. It's kind of the same deal that it's easier to try to retain customers
0: than it is to acquire new ones, you know. So Right. So Reed, I know you you haven't been on the super fan wagon until just recently, but it has been around for a while. Even the American Marketing Association has written a couple of articles around super fans. They talk about creating content for specific readers. Now think about this, if you understand your super fans enough, you can actually start to understand their audiences better, and now you can create content that's custom tailored to their audiences. How's that for targeting? You're now targeting for another follower's followers. How do you feel about that? Targeting another fo- follower's followers. Boy, that's interesting. You're almost skipping
1: the idea that like, we're going to market ourselves. We're just going right. straight to
0: everyone else marketing us. That's right. That's right, but in a non-marketing way. Look, we've been doing right. this for a long time through media relations. We're getting the media to talk about us. This is just the hyper-local, personalized, targeted approach to a different type of media relations. That your you're super fan. That's exactly what it is, right? <laughs> I think so. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at Binary Fountain. You know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're
1: spending uh, on reviews, ratings, relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered, and they're certainly not being
0: analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics. If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at BinaryFountain.com. That's BinaryFountain.com. We'll end our conversation around a platform, a social media platform that I think is going to become the superfan secret weapon for those of us who are going to start to engage in superfans. And we've talked about it already, which is Instagram. A recent article from eMarketer said that Instagram is becoming... The platform where we could actually start to leverage super fans in a significant way. The people of Facebook got it right by ripping off uh, Snapchat, putting in some features around Instagram stories, and then leveraging all of the great powers of Facebook from an engagement and an advertising platform. Instagram is becoming the nexus of influencer marketing. Okay, so the interesting part about that is
1: that's not really our demographic in healthcare. I mean, at least at least for now. I mean, eventually it will be. Maybe it's the exact right demographic we should be targeting. Build brand affinity now. That's a little bit of a longer play.
0: Yeah. So what's the average like age range? It's like 18 to 34. 42% of the audience. So I mean, it skews way young from
1: an influencer standpoint, right? Here's the thing that I've noticed. I mean, we've done a fair amount of, of advertising. You and I both have on all these platforms. I have noticed that if I advertise on Facebook, I can get people to follow the call to action, learn more, sign up, whatever, take a risk assessment, whatever that is. I can get them to
0: leave Facebook and do this thing. I cannot get people to leave Instagram. But I think you're talking about a different type of advertising now, Reed. You're not talking about super fan Advertising, right? Or super fan engagement. Possibly. Yeah. And so you lose the
1: ability to really understand the metrics around it. What's another like Achilles' heel of Instagram for you? And the other one for me, which is just a logistical thing. Mm-hmm. is it's you know to me that you still cannot schedule an Instagram post. I think there are some platforms out there you know that you can do that on, you know some third party, some of them relatively expensive. but just through the app, natively, I cannot schedule an Instagram post. you know there's still some ways and I'm talking maybe it's because they don't want you know brands scheduling a whole bunch of stuff and that's fine. I mean I get it. But if we're talking about from a brand standpoint, and even from a engagement standpoint, you know what does that mean? Well, I mean it means it's a little bit of an Achilles' heel in the sense that, like now, you know most hospitals are having to run around and <laughs> try to remember to post
0: at certain hours of the day or whatever it is. Anyway, you know you may not be able to schedule this Instagram post, but read. I think the game changer here is Instagram Stories. Instagram Stories actually is doing the things that. Snapchat could never do. In that, it not only provides like that video content. I'm sure it doesn't have all that augmented reality stuff like the bit emojis that are animated and stuff like that. But what Instagram Stories can do is now you can actually tag brands in them. Brands can actually advertise and have the ability for you to link through to articles. I mean, you should see some of the stuff that Cleveland Clinic and others are doing on Instagram stories that are just tremendously powerful for all the bad stuff about not being able to schedule, you know, the things that you mentioned. I think that Instagram is just going to blow it away here.
1: So are Instagram stories
0: better than just posting video on Instagram? For brands. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And that medium is only becoming more and more evolved. And you know, for those of us who have Instagram accounts, go look at the stories. Go look to see what other people are doing on these stories. Follow brands. You're going to be blown away by some of the stuff that they do. I think that is an interesting place to engage and connect with super fans because Instagram
1: is that place, you know, where people are spending a lot of time. And I know a lot of brands
0: that are doing really interesting work. Okay, Reed. So, you haven't been on the super fan bandwagon until now. What are your thoughts, though? I mean, are, are you sold? Is this the the way to go?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I wasn't on it. I've never heard of the term. So, I mean, I think, yes, I, I am on the bandwagon. I'm, I was probably on the bandwagon before, but probably more so now is if you think about the reality of where we are in a digital space, right? Of how many people realistically come into your website how I many people are realistically you know, engaging with you on social? So what are you left with? What do you do, right? And it's uh, find people that are advocates of the brand and uh, figure out how you engage those folks. Hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast. I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, You know, they've got a consumer experience platform that that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've, we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one
0: way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would, I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those
1: topics uh, or anything else, they've also got some complimentary solutions on their website. But, but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems, kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to influencehealth.com. Touchpoint.
0: Touch counterpoint. There are two sides to every story. Ready? Fight! Okay, Reed, this is the 50-second version, the 50-second episode, the 50-second time that we're going to be arguing on touchpoint, touch counterpoint. That's not entirely true. That's true. Because we had a couple of episodes, including the live shows that we did
1: not, and the end of year wrap up. So there's three that we didn't argue. I just thought I would take this opportunity to point out that you're wrong. <laughs>
0: And so it begins. <laughs> All right. Well, this time, this, this episode, I think we should get into talking about something. Maybe we talk about different types of marketing modalities. We've been touching on super fans and getting into the different types of ways that organizations can use super fans, which begs the question, does word of mouth marketing even work anymore? Is word of mouth marketing a thing of the past now? No. Well, of course it works. That's the whole point.
1: I mean, are you saying it to your neighbor? Well, probably, yeah, you're probably still doing that. But I think, you know, what we're seeing is that digital ampli- is just simply amplifying word of mouth.
0: You know, I actually think that when we're talking about all the different ways that you could do super fan marketing and engaging with them and actually very deliberately, tactically working with these influencers, you're kind of shifting the game here. You're no longer doing word of mouth marketing. Word of mouth marketing means they were so delighted by your brand, they're just going to talk about you naturally. Influencer super fan marketing is about deliberately forcing that. So I think word of mouth marketing is going away. No, no, no.
1: I mean, of course, it's not going away. That's what we're talking about. That's the whole thing is the fact that someone's word of mouth is influencing someone else's decision. So, I mean, just by the sheer definition of it, it's not going away. It's only uh, it's only getting bigger. It's only getting amplified. So much like communication used to be by via telephone and now we do it via text message doesn't mean communication's gone away.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, read. Come on, think about it. We're not naturally letting word of mouth happen anymore. What we're doing now is we're actually giving them content. We're making hashtags. We're targeting them. We're measuring them. That's not word of mouth marketing anymore, man. This is a whole nother world. This is about really hyper-local, targeted engagement with specific types of fans. That's not word of mouth anymore. I think word of mouth marketing is just going to die by the vine. No, there's no way. There's no way.
1: This is uh, it's the very nature of it. You know, even storytelling. People are telling experiences, telling stories. You know, communicating with others on your behalf. I mean, it's word of mouth.
0: Well, okay, maybe maybe I'm starting to cave a little bit on this extreme end of the argument, but I don't know, Reid. I think we're changing it. We're really changing the way word of mouth marketing has traditionally been perceived. What we're doing now. Is we're becoming more sophisticated with our efforts to shape particular types of communications. We're targeting content to the fans of the fans. I mean, this is this, that's not word of mouth anymore. I think we need to at least rethink the title of that tactic. So would it be word of influence? Ooh, yeah. Let's
1: make that up. We should y- hang on. I'm gonna... Yeah, I'm buying a domain
0: name right now. <laughs> Maybe maybe so. I mean, is it word of influence? I don't know really what to call it, but certainly I think that the outdated concept of word of mouth marketing just doesn't work in this day and age. We're becoming more sophisticated. We have tools now to really get a good understanding of anybody who engages with us and talks about us. And we're asking people to level up in terms of the way they're engaging with these people. So it definitely is something different.
1: All right, today we are excited to have a friend of mine that I've known for some years, Jake McKee, with us, and I'm actually sitting in his new house here in Austin, so it's nice to actually do one of these interviews in person with somebody versus over the internet. thanks Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us course. Thanks for having me on. I met Jay a couple years ago when he had uh, one of his previous companies. For those that aren't familiar, because you don't come from a healthcare background, maybe a little bit of your background, kind of what your, you know, where your expertise lies and, and what you've done in, in recent years.
2: Yeah, sure. So my, my focus has been for a long time in some form or fashion uh, on helping organizations build and optimize online communities and the fan groups that Support them, that participate mm-hmm. in them, and go with them. You know, I'm I'm helping companies through my new my new company Community yep. Five in, in a consulting capacity. But I have uh, run the Apple global support community. I've helped build the the initial engagement with adult fans at Lego. Uh, that, Very cool that Danish toy company. Yeah, yeah. Um, back when uh, that was all new to not only the company but in a lot of ways new to industry. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, even predated some of the social media, and then uh, built a, an agency uh, mm-hmm. focused on helping companies with social media back in the early days of social media. Uh, and, and in each one of those steps, you know, I've really focused on how do we really get a a better, deeper, more personal connection between the the brand or the company and the the people who love it, uh, the people who participate with it. So yeah, yeah that's that's gone everything from. You know, places like Lego where you can see an obvious connection <laughs> sure. to enthusiasm, sure. right? People right. Were building Lego bricks, yep. uh, you know, creations out of Lego bricks. And, uh, you know, the higher calling there that we really tried to promote was Lego as, as a creative medium, right? So instead Very of it cool. just being a toy or, you know, right. for kids, it was right. Lego was a creative medium and trying to get everybody onto that platform. So you know, whether it was grandma buying for a grandson, whether it was mom buying for daughter, whether it was, it was a kid buying for themselves, an educator thinking about what to buy for the classroom, Everybody kind of rallying around this idea that it's, it's, it's a creative medium, right? It's not yeah. just a kid's toy. And you know, that really kind of set uh, a lot of my career uh, in motion for the rest of it uh, around you know, helping companies engage, engage their users and do it in a way yeah. that, that really benefits both. My, my mantra for years has been everybody goes home happy, right? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure you've heard me say that before. Sure. Timer. Time or 12, but this everybody goes home happy mantra is really about how do I design programs, activities, community, yep. platforms that help me as the business, of course. And I'm open about that, right? I share that with the people who participate in it. Mm-hmm. Here's what I get out of it as the company. And I also am acknowledging that you need to get something out of it as well as the participant. And we have a real good, solid conversation about that. It's interesting.
1: You know, healthcare in hospitals specifically. Um, it's is a unique space for, for a variety of reasons. You know, when we think about fans or community, especially online community, those are typically patients, former patients, potential patients, you know, could include or a lot of times does include their care team. So maybe it's a daughter taking care of elderly parents. Maybe it's uh, parents taking control of, you know, their kids' health care. But it's odd to think about, you know, or call them fans, so to speak, right? Like, you don't, you don't think about people being a fan of a hospital. But in all reality, by the way that they act and participate, I guess they are to some degree. And so, you know, as we look at advocacy, you know, I know something you've kind of been thinking about and, and working through in recent months or years has been the idea of a super fan. So what, what, what does that mean? What, what is a super – what's a super fan?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And let's let's take a step back and talk more generally because I think you're right. You know, when we talk about uh, a super fan, it, it may, for somebody who's in one industry or another, may say, okay, well, we don't have fans or that's not really our area. Sure, it works for Lego or it works for Apple or somebody like that, but it doesn't work for us. And, you know, I, I challenge that notion if we sort of redefine or maybe even use different words to describe it. If you talk about, and we've heard terms like power user super user, yeah, yeah, advocate, yeah. Sure. right? It really is, is talking about somebody who is passionate about a cause or an issue or a topic and the person or people, that kind of rise to the top, right? So in, okay. any, in any social environment, whether it's you know, a supper club with eight people, a book club with 20 people, uh, an online community with 500 or 500,000, there always is, is, a, is a subset of people that do more are more active or that sure. drive the voice that kind sure. of lead the group right clearly yeah and and that's really what we're talking about when we talk about super fans okay. we're talking about you know or super users power users whatever you want to call them advocates they're the people who step up and do more so okay. in, in an online support community I've got a uh, I'm looking at my Samsung TV right now and let's say I have a problem with how to get the audio to work and I mm-hmm. go on the uh, Samsung support forums mm-hmm. and I ask a question. There's likely gonna be somebody who jumps in there to answer that
1: question for <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. Who
2: is what we would call a super fan. Now right. they may you know the Samsung team may, community team may call them a power user. and may call them right. a super user, right? right? They may call them something else. But it is that sort of person that's more likely to, to engage more often mm-hmm. with more leadership in the community. So when you talk about healthcare, you can start to translate that into People who are who are supporting a cause who become advocates, sure. right? So you see this with, you know, a cancer support community. Sure, the same dynamics going to apply. Not everybody who participates is going to participate at the same level, sure, or the same quantity, right, or to the right. same quality, right. But there are going to be a subset of people who basically are your leaders, right? The group in, yeah. inside that group, they're the leaders that yeah. s- step up more often, that make sure every question gets answered, that yep. make sure that if there are two people that. Are having a similar problem maybe they're introducing those people that have a connection or or a relationship with the the owner of that community whether it's a hospital or a group of doctors or you know a a, a startup dealing with healthcare whatever it might be they've got that connection to say hey look we've got some problems over here i want to bring those to your attention you know they're still volunteers they're still participants for their own interest but they're getting tied into some sort of higher calling that's important to them.
1: So I think in healthcare obviously it's going to be people that this particular whatever the subject is has impacted their life probably right. whether it's uh, the first person. So it happened to them. Maybe it happened to their parent. You know, you see a lot of that, especially in the cancer community and things like that. So people doing things as a cause on someone else's behalf. It's funny when you start talking about this, things come to mind. And so other communities we run I know if I post something on this particular Facebook page, this one guy's going to like it right. like every time. Right. You know, he's going to be the first one. He's going to like it every time. And so when you start identifying those people, what do you, what do, you do with them? I mean, how, you know how do you start engaging these groups? Because I would say a lot of people that probably listen to this podcast, they work in hospitals, there's not enough hours in the day, there's not enough staff on their team. Uh, community management is, is hard enough as it is. And so how do you proactively engage or you know, where, where do you find some equity with some of these
2: groups or individuals? Yeah, and let me, let me jump back to something you just said first. Yeah. Uh, and, then I'll, and then I'll talk about the, the real question you're asking. But you did say something I think is, is crucially important as we start thinking about what do you do and how do you spend your time with mm-hmm. this sort of mm-hmm. activity. Super fans or power users or advocates, whatever we want to call them, aren't happening in a bubble. Right. They're not a, their own spe- specific group of, of things to pay attention to. They should be part of a larger community strategy that looks at you know, what kind of platform do we build? What kind of metrics are we gathering? And most importantly, what is our business? Right? This is that everybody goes home happy thing. What makes us as the business entity happy? What are we trying right. to do by building a community? If right? we win, what happened? Right. right. It's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And so when we say, okay, let's, let's look at our community strategy. We want to build community because we want to create differentiation between us and the, and the next entity down the street. Yep. And, and people know that the best support for cancer, let's say, and I'm picking cancer because I've, sure. I've done a little bit of work with cancer communities. If, if we want to make ourselves known for the best mm-hmm. group to engage with, the place to come, the people to talk to, the place to get knowledge in this community, you know, this cancer support community, and that means something for our business then what does it mean? How do you go about it? And as part of that discussion, we think about and we talk about how do our most loyal, most active, most vocal uh, members participate? What do yeah. we do to incent them to participate more? How do we get them involved more? How do we get them excited about uh, about being there? Right. This, again, this is everybody goes home happy. Do we understand what's of value to them? Is this a personal cause? Is it a connection to what they do in in their real work, right? So, are are nurses coming in here to help themselves and help their own profile, and that's why they participate? Or are these people that their son got cancer and realized that they needed to address some shortcoming in the marketplace, right? Or the process, or in how care is given. And so they've now become an advocate for solving that problem. Gotcha. And now they're coming over here to participate to help solve that problem. What are the motivators, right? Because at the end of the day, the... I hear this problem a lot with clients where we're already doing all this other stuff. Why should we put energy and effort into this new thing, community? And I think it's like, like anything. If you look at your overall business strategy, you shouldn't be doing community unless there's a very specific spot where it says this adds value to our bottom line or our yep. bottom interests right? Yep. or both. And if it does, the hope with community, different than maybe traditional marketing, is that for traditional marketing, if I want to see something happen, I put money into it. Yeah, And I get return out of it. Mm-hmm. if I want to see more return, I put in more, more money, money. In more time. Yep. The idea with community, at least in my opinion, is that you, work, you work differently. You're trying to put in an increasingly smaller investment to get an increasingly larger output. And that's where these, the advocates come from. It doesn't mean that you know, your budget this year is going to be inherently smaller next year. It may continue to grow and you may continue to invest, or sure. you may not. Sure. But either way... The return continues to grow, even if you don't necessarily tie it hmm. directly to budget input. Okay. So the way that that works, or should work, and especially when it comes to advocates or super fans, power users, is that for, for the time and energy you put into building the community, you're, you're specifically building out your relationship with them, the programs that incent them to participate, the ways that they can participate. Hmm. And so their participation drives more interest Requires less moderation to get out, you know, content that may be questionable, right? May require less of your support staff actually answering questions because there's now more and more people out there in the world answering questions, right? So your 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 resource, this community, gets more and more valuable, but your investment doesn't necessarily have to be a one to one.
1: Yeah, Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of the benefits that people talk about when they're talking about uh, AI or artificial intelligence, so chat bots and things like that. You're trying to extend that knowledge base, you know, to in this case, other real people right. that can participate in these communities and things like that. Okay, that's that's cool. That makes a lot of sense. You know, as people start thinking along these lines, because this is probably something a little bit different than you know, the transactional things that they're typically thinking about, what's kind of the, that, those initial first steps? What does that look like? You know, whether it's places to go for resources to learn about this type thing, or what are some of those initial kind of baby steps people can take, you know, into this, into this world?
2: Yeah, so it's, it's a good question. I think it's, you know, it's, it's both complex and easy, right? The, the easy answer, let's start there, is participate yourself. Okay. Find find places to go spend time in. So if you are a cancer researcher and you're interested in learning about online communities, go find two or three or four support communities dedicated to cancer and cancer patients and sign up. Go through that process. See what it it looks like. See what they ask you. That's great. Yeah. It's surprisingly easy. But it is really helpful. Spend some time on there. Spend a few weeks, really trying to answer some questions, or at least read along with what's being asked. Mm-hmm. See how conversations flow out over time, mm-hmm. and compare, you know, one community versus another, and how you know cultural dynamics can be so much different between one and another. And, mm-hmm. and try and just ask yourself some basic questions: Why is it different? What's, you know, why is the culture over here so positive, but this one's so negative, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why is this one so fast to get responses, but this one's not, right? And. And you won't know the answers necessarily, but it'll get your mind thinking about how does community work. Or the community itself is really great,
1: but it's such a clunky process to ever get into the community. So you can start kind of making that mental checklist or or an actual checklist, I guess, of, you know, if I did this, these are things that we need to be sure we pay attention to or, you know, rule out or
2: do this, don't do that. Even just start that running list of questions, right? So, what, what is it? Why is this one so much easier to to sign up for? What is it about it? Well, I'm not a web design guy, so I'm not really connected to this piece, or I'm not a right. you know I'm not a user experience person, so maybe I'm I'm not really understanding that. But boy, this one seems clunkier than this one. Why is that? You know, mm-hmm. to your point, making mm-hmm. a list of those questions, because at some point here, pretty quickly. When you look at Facebook groups dedicated, and again, I keep using cancer as an example today, sure. but uh, when you look at a cancer support group on Facebook, what's the difference, right? Why are people maybe more hesitant to share details mm. on, on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, it's be, you know, in my opinion, it's be partially because of privacy settings, partially yeah. because the tone of Facebook is so much different that it's, yeah. it is connected to all the people I know. So even if they never logistically could see my stuff, mm-hmm. I might be worried about whether they can see my stuff, but over here on this totally separate entity that I can use an anonymized uh, username that nobody knows it's me, I can be a lot more honest in my questions if I'm nervous, right? So you can start thinking about some of those dynamics. And And there's probably more brand equity too there.
1: So if you are use the cancer example to join a cancer community on Facebook, maybe you do because it's convenient, the apps on your phone. I I don't know. There's various reasons I'm sure uh, that people would do that yet you know, pick a leading cancer institution MD Anderson Sloan um, you know whoever it is around the country if they built their own you might join that and feel more comfortable there because their logos at the top That's exactly right. And the technology may not maybe it's good maybe it's not good I don't know. I'm you know we're all making up stuff here but there is a perception, you know value to that perception right. there too. So
2: you may have a, a really great cancer hospital with a really bad IT department, right? <laughs> yeah. But to your point, seeing that logo of somebody you trust is going to make you yep. want to participate, want to yep. share more openly and more honestly, which, of course, is is a huge value mm-hmm. to this, right? If I'm holding back all my details about what's going on with me because yep. I don't want to share it with all my, you know, my entire social network, right, mm-hmm. including my boss and, you know, my employees from three years ago and my grandma and whoever else exactly. on Facebook would be, exactly. Uh, even if it's just a perception, even if they never would yep. see that, even if it's just that perception that separation can be really important. So that sort of leads to the bigger issue and the more complex issue of asking yourself, just like you do with any investment, whether it's technology or resources or you know, construction, why am I doing this? What does it add to my bottom line? What am mm-hmm. I trying to achieve? You don't have to be a community person any more than you have to be a, a general contractor to know what the business goal of expansion is, right? So if I'm right. gonna build a new wing on this right. building, I don't even know how to pour concrete. I just need to make sure that that the investment yes. and, and the idea of what I'm trying to do has a sound business connection, and then I get somebody to help me kind of walk through that process of how am I going to turn my vision into into reality same thing here and that's that's really what I do right is sit sit back and say okay you you've told me you need to have a better connection or you need to build a brand that has a more warm and personable experience um, or that you need to take advantage of the fact that you you your entity has, your organization has the five of the ten world-leading experts in this subject. How do we get them out in front of the world, right? Whatever that problem is you're trying to solve for, start thinking about how that connects and what happens if we have this yeah. social experience. What happens if people have yeah. better access to, to us or our research or our people or even just that we have a better connection to them because you know, we're not just some cold corporate entity in the sky, yep. we're now a group of people that can be trusted. And so, hey, if you can trust us to deliver You know, on this discussion, you can trust us to come in and have your health care, right? Uh, sure. And I think that's a huge part, whether it's whether it's a technology company, whether it's a concrete porn company, whatever it right. is, all of us humans better connect with those, those that we find warm and personal. Right. right. And when we connect with them, we want to do things with them, business connection, social, whatever. Yeah. Uh, And so that's that's a huge part of what you're trying to achieve here. But how does all that work together from the corporate strategy? And then you either take a step aside, get some of your team, get somebody like me, get whoever it might help to come in and say, okay, I understand your business goal and you sort of kind of understand the community concept. So now how do we put these two together? And we build a business strategy out of it, just like we do any other business project.
1: I could keep talking about this for a while, but um, I think that's a lot of really good points. I think um, just the simple act of, of getting involved and understanding, at least from your own perception, what makes a good community and how to participate and things like that, I think goes a long way to deciphering how this might be Uh, a good idea or not a good idea for your organization so folks that want to connect with you online what's what's the best way
2: for people to track you down so my company is community five you can find me at community5.com or just jake at community5.com if you want to email me pretty simple awesome
1: awesome and i appreciate it and uh may have you back on before too long talk talk more community right on we'd love it hey thanks man Chris, good news. The healthcare industry now has its own domain name. What? Absolutely. Everybody knows that organizations have.org, education has.edu. Well, now .health is available
0: and quickly becoming the home for all health-related content online. And listeners to our podcast can visit git.health slash touchpoint. Visit git.health slash touchpoint now. All right, here we are
1: at the end of episode 52. So, for the 52nd time consecutive weeks, 57 consecutive weeks, we didn't oh. even take off for Christmas. No, or we didn't. thanksgiving or anything. Nothing. Mm-hmm. No, no, we're hard work. We love this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you, sponsors. Um, we, we certainly we, we love doing this, and so we're, we're appreciative that people like to listen in. And so uh, if you could do one thing for us, that would be to go out to iTunes, rate and review us, uh, subscribe. That is a huge help, uh, especially as it looks to uh, recommend to others uh, through those platforms. So mm-hmm. check out uh, the new website, still new, touchpoint.health. Uh, Navigate over there. Let us know what you think. And um, we'll have more on uh, some upcoming conferences and things like that. I'll actually be at the Texas Hospital Association's annual conference uh,
0: next week. And you and I are going to be presenting at the Forum Conference coming up. We're going to be doing a session on podcasting where we're going to be featuring hospital podcasters. And we're probably going to podcast that, Reed. So that gets really meta, doesn't it? Yes. Podcast a thing about podcasting. So, all right. So, uh, recommendations. What do you got? Well, I'm going to pull a read this week and I'm going to Mm -hmm. recommend something that I think you would normally recommend Uh read, which is we're in the the market right now to look for a professional grade lavalier lapel microphone that can work with an iPhone. And so we reached out to our good old friend, Jason Pratt, because, you know, anytime you want to talk about, you know, camera, AV equipment, you got to reach out to the Prattlesnake. Yeah, the Snake, and, and the reason why we need this is because my wife is going to be doing some Facebook living from the Super Bowl this week. And so she needs a really mm. good platform where she can actually do a lavalier mic. And, you know, there's a couple of them that, a couple of them that he recommended. But the one that, that kind of rose up to the top for the mere fact that it has a very low cost and yet it has the highest reviews on Amazon. Win-win. Which is the Power DeWise power d-e-w-i-s-e lavalier microphone it is the professional grade lavalier lapel microphone omnidirectional mic with an easy clip-on system perfect for recording youtube interviews facebook lives podcasts voice dictation etc it comes with a 79 inch extra cable now it has the old-fashioned connection right the 3.5 millimeter jack Um, But that's okay if you're on a new iPhone. You have that little adapter that they gave you. You can use that for one of the new microphones. And get this on Amazon Prime with free one-day shipping, $22.22. Oh, I like that. $22.22. That's nice. And it's got an average of 4.5 out of 5 stars. 75% of the people reviewing this give it a 5-star review. So, I mean, for that price, you can't beat it.
1: I may have to just buy one just to say I did. Twenty-two, twenty-two, very good. That's an awesome recommendation. I'm going with something uh, a little more tactile. I've gone with some, a lot of pins and things like that in recent weeks. Somewhat similar, of course. Folks that know me know that uh, I spend a lot of time building, making, doing, you know, different things out of wood or leather or whatever that may be, steel or etc. This is something I've used quite a bit on leather projects in recent uh, months, I guess. And just thought, you know, everybody, everybody needs one of these, but it's an X-Acto knife. You know, you got the, like, the box cutter. Mm-hmm. They even make them in nifty, like, what look to be, like, pocket knives where they flip out and use, like, an Exacto blade, I mean, a uh, box cutter type blade in there. Uh, that you get at Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever. And those are cool and handy, you know, kind of outside and opening boxes and doing different things. But a a really sharp just exacto knife makes all the difference in the world when you're cutting uh, straight lines. And if you remember my previous recommendation, which was the ruler with the uh, metal edge uh, works well
0: together. So I want to go with an exacto knife. Love it. Exacto knife and a microphone, once again proving the diversity of this podcast. That's right. We went from super fans to exacto knives and lavalier mics. There you go. Reid, it's been a great year. I'm excited about the upcoming year. There's so many new things up ahead for us. And it's just, it's just so much fun to keep doing this. Yeah, it's been awesome. It's been a great year.
1: 2018, uh, looks like we've got some new things on the horizon that'll be fun uh, when we can talk about those in coming weeks. And so tease that a little bit. It's, uh, it's been awesome. And uh, look forward to another 52 episodes and uh, see, where, uh, see where we are a year from now. So it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, that is Chris Boyer, and I'm Reed Smith. And like always, we'll see you next week.